Hi, I'm Sean. I'm Alan. And I'm Victoria. Join us every Monday as we tell the tale of a new and exciting cult. This is Once, Once Upon, Upon a, a Cult! Hello and welcome to Once Upon a Cult. Once upon a time, there was a master and his two slaves and they had a podcast. And even though they already talked about a group, they wanted to talk about them some more because there's so much juicy gossip to follow up on. Are you talking about Alan right now? Does he have slaves? Because I said juicy? Yeah. Oh. 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 (laughs) I wouldn't know. (laughs) (laughs) hi hi slave how are you i'm good thank you master for asking i've been well i know it's been a minute since we've gotten to talk uh a whole like two weeks because we we were good and we kind of pre-recorded one episode but then we fell off the train the productivity train yeah yeah (laughs) that was my bad sorry guys that was me. I shit the bed. Oh. <laughs> Whoa. That got dark. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. I heard that expression the other day, and I'd never heard it before, and I'm like, I'm going to find a time and place to use it. Hi, Slave <laughs> Alan. How are you? I shit the bed. <laughs> I'm good. Just, I didn't shit the bed, that's for sure. No. But you were juicy. Oh. <laughs> well, let me tell you, since we recorded last, I put out my book. Yes! I'm so proud and excited! I saw that! Are you going to tell us more? Yeah, sure. Oh, okay. (laughs) It's called Witch's Brew, Book One, A Dream of Waking, and it's a kind of fantasy story about vampires and werewolves and witches living in Orange County, and they meet at a coffee house called Witch's Brew Coffee. That is where all witches and warlocks and whatnot live is in Orange County. Yeah, duh. Yeah. <laughs> Where can we buy it? <laughs> it's exclusively on Amazon, uh, on Kindle e-reader, or you can now buy a paperback copy of it. Yeah. Hey. Hey. My copy Get comes that in tomorrow. Books, y'all. Get your reads on. Yep. And give me a review. I can use some reviews. The more reviews I get, the more it pushes it into going into a physical Amazon store. Hey, Mm -hmm. let's get that in a store. Yeah. (laughs) I'm so excited. I'm excited. You should be. Yeah. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Should we talk about Nexium? Yes. Okay, before we start, though, because there's been a lot of shows coming out about Nexium now. So that's kind of what prompted us to do this. But I have to say that I don't, I, I can't remember the last time I, w- I had so many physical face reactions watching something. <laughs> like my jaw, and I know this story. I know this story. I know what happens. But my jaw hit the ground every time. And I was like, oh! And I would cover my face or my eyes or my ears. And I'd be like, no, what? So I had a lot of emotion mm. when watching The Vow. Oh, wait for it, because I've got some other updates. I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just like, you know what? There's just two things now that I am like, man, 2021 is going to be the year. Because for one, we've got a new president coming. And for two, we got the vow season two to look forward to. So I am so stoked for 2021 already. <laughs> Yay. 
<laughs> but you tell us first, because you saw some other things that I didn't get a chance to watch. So I'm going to let you start first and tell us some tales. Well, the first thing that I really wanted to point out, and when we were kind of deciding, are we going to do a part two on Nexium? You know, honestly, I was kind of on the fence because I was like, what other information is there? But one of the first things that really popped out that made me realize, like, yeah, we need to talk about this again is part of the reason why people were so enamored with Nexium and Keith is because they actually did do some good things. Like I know. I sent to you right away, like, they found a cure for Tourette's. It's insane. I was like... I was completely watching this, and when I saw that, I was like, oh, my God, I would have totally been taken by this. Mm-hmm. If you show me something and you tell me you've got scientific facts as to how this, like, alternative medicated therapy works, like, I'm all about that shit. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, no, for real. Like, I, I, um, I, if you, like, I love to watch things that are very scientific and medical and explain things. And if you have a, a, a genuine explanation and I don't know, I mean, I feel like the way he presented things, it made sense. It wasn't like this mumbo gumbo I picked up from the Bible or from a guru. This is science. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, I don't know. Anyways, it was just very fascinating to me. And I, I thought, oh man, I could have totally been a Nixium. Yeah, I agree. And I think what um, one of the things that Alan and I both watch separately is called The Lost Woman of Nexium. And it really painted a picture of who Keith was even before he started Nexium. He was already in a multi-level marketing scheme and he was already telling people like, I'm going to change the world, I'm a genius, I'm this, I'm that, which is funny because in one of the things that I watched, do you guys want to know a spoiler alert? Yes. Keith was not a good student in school. He was a C average <gasps> in college. No, 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 no. You must be mistaken because because <laughs> Keith Raniere, I had a list for a minute there, <laughs> because he is a world-renowned scholar. He's a mathematician. He created a new math. He said he He's did. He's a genius. He has a, <laughs> a what, what was he, a t- 10, he had a, an IQ of what? 240? I think something it? like that. Yeah. How can you say he was only a C student? <laughs> Yeah, and it's funny because, I like, in one of his <laughs> claims, he said, like, he was one of the only people to pass this certain IQ test with a certain score. And, like, somebody actually researched it. And in one edition from, I think it was 1998, I want to say, of an Australian <laughs> Guinness World Book of <laughs> Records, you can find his name in it. But they're like, the fact that it's only in this one book randomly, yeah, he made this up. <laughs> yeah. How did he get it into the Australian Book of World Records? I don't know. They must just be a little easier to fool down under, if you know what I mean. Oh, I know what you mean. (laughs) I don't think that about Australians. Anybody (laughs) listening? (laughs) Now all our Australian fans are going to just turn us off. Thanks. (laughs) Blimey. (laughs) All right. Well, get off your didgeridoos. <laughs> That's the only Australian. What are other Australian words I know? Boomerang. Koalas. 
<laughs> Boomerang. Barbie, shrimp on the Barbie. That's right. All right. Well, enough about Australia. Let's talk about Tony for a minute because Tony was one of your women, uh, lost women of uh, um, Nixia. Uh, Why doesn't my mouth work today? <laughs> <laughs> so he, she was one of the last women of Nixium, and not only was she one, she was his like first one of his first girlfriends, right? And because she found him at his business, which oh my god, what was the name of that multi? It was something cheesy. Yeah, I wish I put it in my notes now because I wanted to mention it right? too. <laughs> And I know we talked about it last time, but it was like business consumer to you or something like that. I don't know. But um, he he met her there and it was she said like he knew I smoked, which first off the whole time I'm thinking like this and he's like, you smoke? And she was like, yeah. And then he's like, I can help you stop. And it's like she was so surprised. I'm not trying to insult her, but it's like we need to be aware of our surroundings and ourselves. I think a little bit more. And that's something that all of this should teach us. But if you smoke, you probably smell like smoke. Mm, so of course mm-hmm. he's going to know you smoke. So I think he was just so good at reading the room and reading people, you know, but I feel like if you're as a leader of something like this, you have to be. Yeah, it's true. Wait, what was the first name we're talking about? <laughs> Tony. We're talking about Tony. Tony. Tony and Natalie, yeah. And, yeah, and so she talked about, though, how she went in to um, meet him, and she came back out, and one of the girls that was, like, a call center girl or whatever, she said, what were you guys talking about for so long? And she's like, and Tony said, what do you mean? We're in there for 15 minutes. And then she realized that she had been in there for almost almost three hours talking to him about being hypnotized into not smoking and that that's something that could be done. Yeah, I read somewhere that he, like, really got into hypnosis. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's the scary part. I'm sure Tony's realizing it's scary, too, after hearing everything. Like, you, God knows what, you know, he did to her in those while he was together with her, you know? Yeah, no kidding. And then the other one... um, not Bonnie. Bonnie was Mark's wife, but what was Barbara? Barbara. Oh, Barbara. She Keith. was the one that, yeah, and she was the one that um, they couldn't even let her know that he had multiple girlfriends and they recognized her as his main girlfriend. So I don't know. Well, here's an early one from about 2002. There was... Did you hear about Kristen Snyder? No. Okay, so Kristen Snyder was in one of his... Of Keith's early studies with her girlfriend. Let's uh, bold and underline... Her girlfriend... Her wife. Her Her wife, wife. sorry. Bold and underline that, because that's going to be important in a second. So Kristen started having... I guess maybe a psychotic breakdown, I'd call it, in the middle of one of his classes to where they had to come... And physically remove her from the class. And then she got driven miles away from where the class is, where she was left. And to this day, they don't know exactly what happened to her because a canoe was missing. She went out into a river 
and they never found the canoe. They never found her body. They never found anything. They did find a letter, though, which basically said, you know, she was she attended a course. So she, like, she was part of Nexium, and um, you know, she she was brainwashed basically. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, I'm, I'm basically kind of like insinuating that she was she committed suicide. Um, but at right. the end, it said, like, you don't need to search my body. And that was it. So, uh, I guess. So, it was still left fishy. Yeah. But yeah. after, mm-hmm. at the end of the, the Lost Woman of Nexium, they brought her wife in, which this is the first time the wife was willing to speak on camera because all of these people are terrified that Nexium's going to come after them. Right. We found out from the wife, and we found out from an ex IT worker that was working at Nexium around this time, and he told this to Claire Brofman that it turns out Kristen was preggers with Keith's baby. Yes, I do remember hearing that. I remember hearing about that now. And then, yeah, she just, nobody ever heard from her ever again. Yeah, so So, it turns out the wife acknowledged that what Kristen was having an episode about was the fact that she was pregnant with Keith's baby. She was yelling that in the class and they were pushing her to get an abortion, and she didn't want to do that, and then she mm. disappeared. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And this was kind of like, um, I guess, a recurring theme, too. Like, I guess there's multiple cases where Keith impregnated, you know, a lot of his followers, but he... Yeah, I'm sure he got a lot of girls knocked up. Yeah, but, like, he pushed for them to get... Abortions, because you know that would be proof that he was sleeping with, you know, multiple Everybody. everyone basically. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Well, we can't have that now. I wonder how many women he actually did get to have abortions, and I, I just wonder, like, what did he get from what women? You know, because there's so many. There's so many women, and it's like on such different levels because in. In watching the vow, it, it did seem even Nancy had a romantic um, relationship with him of some sort. Right, and that's when I made the connection that Nancy was with him, but so was Nancy's daughter, Laura. Which is fucking weird. <laughs> so how do you feel about that? I, I, I feel like it's fucking weird, <laughs> okay. you know? That's like some hillbilly shit. <laughs> well, that, it is. Well, that was a thing too, and I, and I don't know if it was because how how old do you know was her daughter um, when they got together? I don't know. Oh, that she would have been young. Yeah, because that was because mm-hmm. how old is she now? So I, I I'm I came across this article, according to Rolling Stone, saw um, Lauren met Ranieri at. The age of 21 in 1998. Okay. Yeah, so she was of age, but there have been... She was young. Yeah, still young, definitely. But there have been cases where, like, other members would offer their daughters, oftentimes, you know, being underage, to to Keith as well. That's crazy. How do you offer your kid like that? I don't know. People are fucking nuts. But, like, I guess because of that, too, and knowing that, you know, if Keith impregnates someone, he wants to 
get you know got get wants them to get an abortion right away. Like, did he like right. preying on like underage girls because they wouldn't get pregnant? You know what? I picked up on that too. There were things that he would say. And I was wondering if you guys would notice this too. I feel like he truly hated women. And I don't know if he himself was abused by a woman or if he, um, or what his situation is. But I I mean, he would say things that I felt were very pedophilia-like and very like aggressive and angry towards women. So I feel like he he's got some issues maybe with either sexual abuse that happened to him or physical abuse, but he's always talking and especially when you watch him do his seminars about men or you know for men or when he's talking about men to women, he talks about how, you know, women are these princesses that need protected and men have to like they get they get their ass chewed out if you know they don't protect them or if they do something like he was going on this whole random ass spiel which mm-hmm. didn't make any sense in my opinion but it was about how like men are angry at women like deep down because as a as boys you weren't allowed to hit us did you do you see all that yeah and if you're sitting down I'll add to that um in Seduced, the one that I watched most recently, there was video footage of Keith saying that if somebody is raped, or especially a child, they don't know it's wrong until society says it's wrong. So they actually enjoy it, and we need to help them understand that it's okay. See, that... That screams like pedophilia stuff to me. He even at one point said having sex with a baby is like having sex with a piece of steak because it doesn't know what's happening to it. Oh, my God. Like, uh, uh, that's that's gross. And the thing, too, like when Sean and I saw it, like he was saying this in front of a group of people, too. And nobody like was like nobody thought it was crazy. Uh, how? Like, I know we say, like, I mean, obviously people knew it was wrong, finally, but it's crazy, though, how long you go along with things like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's funny because we've talked about the cause a lot in other episodes. A lot of these people mm-hmm. would just say, like, You know, I didn't appreciate him saying that rape victims were, you know, whiny or that they just need to accept what happened to them. Or I didn't appreciate when he talked about having sex with a baby. But I liked Mm -hmm. being around the people and nobody else was saying it was wrong. So I didn't want to be the one to say it was wrong. Right. And then one thing, too, that I I think that's one thing that the, the vow actually really, really did a good job on focusing on was that. You, nobody joins a cult, right? I think it was Mark that said it. Nobody joins a cult. They join a group they think is doing something good. And that's exactly what these people thought. They all thought they were out making a difference and sharing this information, you know. And it wasn't a religious thing. It was just a scientific breakthrough they thought they found, you know. Mm-hmm. And... and it cured Tourette's, right? So, I mean, this obviously has to be good. It's making other people feel good, or so they thought at least. 
So, I mean, there, and there was definitely things that his, his um, ramblings actually, some of them made sense. You know, there was a lot of things he said that I'm like, I could totally understand what he means by that. And how you don't take things so literal, you know, like I'm sure people did take it like he was probably saying it too so casually that it was like the comparison is not to grocery out because it's a baby, but it's a comparison of things are so new. Does that make sense? So he probably went on some whole spiel. And then the other thing, too, is that with these groups, it's not just a leader that makes the group. It's the people. And Sarah really talked about this group in DOS. When she got her branding done, it wasn't Keith Ranieri holding her down. It was all the women within her group, all her sisters and all her her best friend, Lauren, standing above her, holding her shoulders down. These aren't, it's not just the cult leader. It's the group itself that also makes up this cult, you know? Right. That's very true. And I think one thing that it's easy for us to do now, which we really need to think about, is it's easy for us to sit back and say, look at all these clues. He's laying all these clues. But we know how the story ended. Like, these people were in the middle of it. And I'm sure hearing somebody say like a baby's like a piece of steak yeah that's a really weird thing to say and it would set off alarm bells in my head but if Mm -hmm. I was with this group for you know 10 plus years like a lot of these people were following this man like I I would probably trust him too yep and then not only that but you got to think about too this man every day tried a little more a little more a little more before it got to the point where he's saying something as graphic as this. And you and I hear this graphic description and we're like, whoa. But at the same time, he's tested with this group of people, what can I say and get away with? And what can I say today and get away with? And it gradually increases so you don't notice. And so the next time he says something so obscure, you know, it's it's not quite that crazy anymore. You right. know what I mean? So I'm sure, you know, that's the other thing people have to realize is these people were not just, these people were in this for years. Like I know, um, and, and two, the other thing is he's not just with you. He is with you and checking in on you. And I thought about Mark and his friendship with, with Keith when it was at its peak. And he said at one point there was every single day for seven years straight, he talked to him every day. And I mean, like, and he was friends with him for over 12 years by the by the time everything came to a point where it was all said and done it like it is now but they had a friendship for 12 years he was working for him as what he thought was a company for 12 years and you're with someone spending every day with someone and you're thinking it's their best friend you're gaining trust you know it it just it you don't realize what you're in you mm-hmm. know right and it's sad and scary And one other thing I wanted to come back to is you mentioned Keith being very predatory towards younger people. Um, There is a documented case. This is another one that we learned in um, The Lost Woman of Nexium. There's Mm -hmm. a case of, I just lost her name. Gina? Yes, Gina. Hutchinson. Hutchinson. In 2002, 
or no, I'm sorry, this happened when she was 14, so well before 2002. I think it was in um, the early 90s. Gina's sister walked into Gina's room, and she saw Keith very clearly jumping out the window. Like, he looked back at her right before he jumped out the window, and Gina admitted they were having sex. And then years later, I think she was 31 or 32 in 2002, um... A lot of times when there's molestation or rape at a young age, you kind of, like, make it okay in your mind, but it usually comes out as more traumatic when you grow up and realize what actually happened to you. So at, you know, around age 32 in 2002, she decided, I'm going to speak up about this. And strangely, she was found, uh, apparently she had shot herself in the head with a shotgun. (gasps) Oh, my God. Which the weird thing about it is you don't really hear about too many people shooting themselves with a shotgun because they're so long. And they yeah. they actually, like, recreated the scene with a fake gun in a controlled environment with a gun expert. They got a girl who was the same age, size, and build as Gina, and they had her lay down mm-hmm. with a shotgun, and she couldn't reach the trigger. The trigger. So, yeah, they said unless she used, Um, like, a stick or something, which she could have, it's possible, but it's just a really weird way for someone, especially someone like Gina who didn't own guns and people described her as very peaceful, that she would kill herself that way. Yeah, and they even said that they couldn't, usually if that were, if she were to do that, they would find gunpowder on her fingers and they didn't find that either. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. He so, he just you look at him and you know he's a creep. You know he's a fucking creep. Like, I wonder though, like my hypothesis of his upbringing and like the how he got to this point. Like, I feel he was like, because he seems very nerdy and like he was probably like a nerd right. in like school and just like. Oh, he definitely got picked on. Yeah, and once he kind of like found, I guess, like this ability to kind of, I don't know, like hy- hypnotize other people. He just like. It just got out of control, and he just started to use it crazily. Mm-hmm. Crazily. I, I, part of me wonders if he ended up on drugs at one point, mm-hmm. because he did get a little kooky, and I think it was Tony um, that had said something in the documentary, The Val, that made me think, oh, he did end up on drugs eventually. But... I don't know. Because I feel like once drugs get involved, too, then it's really all downhill from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and one thing, too, speaking about drugs, that was really weird about two women that Keith was living with that said, or three, there are three women. Um, Mm -hmm. They all developed cancer while they were with him. And when they, the one who survived her cancer, or the two who died, sorry, are Barbara Jeske and Pam Kafritz. They both died of different types of cancer, but later they tested um, a woman who wouldn't reveal who she was. She submitted a hair sample, and there were very high, like crazy high amounts of bismuth and barium, and the doctor said the only way you could get this level of toxicity in your body is if somebody was like feeding it to you and trying to cause you to have cancer. Yeah, they, mm. they said this type, that type of, like, um, chemical was found in rat poison, or typically found in rat oh, poison, wow. so that was one of the theories of how that got into their system. 
But so he's giving them maybe like microdoses of rat poison, mm-hmm. not enough to kill them, but enough to maybe dope them up, keep them under control. Yeah, well, that's the thing too, because I'm wondering, especially like both of these figures, they were like Barbara was in charge of enrolling, enrolling people, and she was able to recruit a lot of people, and then Pamela was basically at one point Keith's number two. So I'm I'm just wondering, like. Why was this on purpose? Like, did they do something wrong, you know, or were they doubting, starting to doubt Nexium? Because, yeah, I couldn't find anything. Yeah. So, the whole time I was watching The Vow, like, I almost had to, like, Google, like, where's India? Tell me we've got India back. Like, I was just like, where is she? And I finally Googled it, and I'm like, oh, okay, I know as life that in life now that she's okay but I'm really anxious for season two to see them like get her back and what happened and what kind of um shape she was in when she got out because we've had multiple arrests and I feel like India was pretty far in there but I don't know if she was like I wonder like what level of this do did we stop um taking people people as leaders and start and claiming them as victims. Does that make sense? Because I feel like this is structured very much like a pyramid scheme. And it's like Keith was at the top, followed by, I would put Nancy and Allison as equals. And then right under that, obviously, India was Allison's slave. So I'm assuming at least. Right, and I got to hear a lot of information from India on Seduce because it was told from India and her mom, um, Catherine Oxenberg. It was mm-hmm. more from their point of view, which, first off, holy jeepers. Like, Catherine Oxenberg, I found <laughs> out, is, like, a big star from, like, um, yeah. what's that called? Dynasty. Yeah. Dynasty. And then, hello, she's the freaking daughter of a princess. Right. Yeah, like, I feel like, oh, my God, if it was not for Catherine and her connections, like, uh, this would not have gotten as far as it was. Like, people would very possibly still be getting recruited into Nixium if it was not for her, you know? Like, she was such a fighter on this. But anyways, Vaughn. I found that so poetic since you bring it up that not only is it a woman that brought him down, but a high-visibility woman because that's those were his targets. He wanted to get stars, yeah. and that's what brought him down right and that's what I was thinking about too I was thinking about how interesting it is that you targeted such successful people and such beautiful women and beautiful successful women and look where it got you because who went out against you mm-hmm. Catherine's or Catherine you know she fought for her daughter India and then Sarah Sarah spoke up and was, and Bonnie, you know, Bonnie was the first to come out and be like, this is not right. <laughs> and, and I mean, look what happened, you know, like, and that's the other thing that I think that has to speak volumes too, to show you how in depth people get into this. Look at Mark. He did not even want to listen to his own wife who was trying to give him tangible data as to something going on. And he was like, no, like Keith wouldn't do this. Like he was in that much of a denial over it. You know what I mean? Like he almost, he let his marriage go almost at one point. Right. Cause I think at the point that you accept all this for true, you have to accept yourself. And that's the hardest part. Like you have to accept mm-hmm. that you were 
part of this mm-hmm. bigger, darker right. scheme. But a lot of what India talked about is her experience um, just kind of seeing things as they unfolded. And she was in a very unique spot because being as high profile as she was, they targeted her quick, just like they did Allison. But Mm -hmm. um, I think what worked against her, and this is my own point of view, so I could be wrong, but I'm going to share it. She seemed very innocent, like her mom shielded her like having that much money and being able to keep her like a little more away from things I think is what caused India to not have those life lessons to see the alarms right away right and she talked a lot about like what kind of led to DOS is they had the um it was called SOP and it was more for men but they allowed Mm -hmm. a woman to sign up for it at one point but they would do things to humiliate the woman. Like, one time they dressed up, um, I think it was Lauren Salzman, they dressed her up in a jockstrap, and all the men, like, would shout, like, mean things at her. It was really weird. A lot of humiliation tactics. You have to wonder, like, but they have an answer for everything, right? Because you and I hear that and think, like, how... Why would anybody go through that and do that? But they have a reasoning for everything. You're lo- you're learning humility. You're learning to be stronger because you can then survive yesterday? this. Or mm-hmm. <laughs> stupid. Oh yeah, I'm like yeah. Yesterday what? What about <laughs> yesterday? <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like there's there's an answer for everything with this, and the answers are quick. That's the thing. And you don't, so it's so quick, you don't question it, right? Like, if you say, Keith, I don't understand why you have me in this jock strap. Well, the jock strap is representative of this, 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 and that. And then you feel like, oh, okay, he's smarter than me. He must know, right? He's this world scientist and yada, yada, yada. And to take it a step further, then they say, well, this is part of what you're trying to overcome. Do you have a problem with it? Do you not want to overcome your fears? Mm Mm-hmm. But um, she also talked a lot about how... For years, this kind of started when um, rumors of Keith sleeping with people started becoming more rampant and it hit the news. They told Nexium that Keith was very monk-like. Like, he doesn't have sex. He's transcended beyond sex. So India said she was told this for years. So by the time she was approached by Allison to join DOS, she already had this certain impression of Keith. And then a lot of the um, things we talked about on our first part of the show, which I want to expand about before I get to the the big finale, is um, just about India, not on the show. Um, (laughs) But um, she talked a lot about the calorie counting. Like, she would be told you can only eat 90 calories today, and she would have to take a picture of what she was going to eat and send it to her master. Master, ask the master. Yeah, and get permission to eat that much. See, now what I don't get to, okay, what I, I, I was a little confused because Sarah said something that she said, like she was talking about, you know, the screenshots and sending this master may eat this, but she also in the back of her mind thought this was a joke, right? Like you're not really my master, you know? And like, okay, if it comes down to it, I'm going to pick my husband over you. Yet she went along with this. Mm-hmm. And it, 
I, I just, I, I don't understand. I, I, and I, I mean, I'm, I wasn't in that position, so I can't understand. And I'm thankful for that, but I don't understand the, um, the, if you didn't, if you thought it was like a joke, why would you go through with so much every day? Mm-hmm. Right. Does that make sense? Like, if you and I were having a conversation and like to a point where I was texting you every meal, like, I feel like I would finally just be like, no. And like, if I didn't text you, like, are you really going to be like, hey, you didn't ask me what you could eat today. Did you eat something? Like, right? Like, I mean, like, yeah, I fucking ate today. Like, because I would just be like, are you really that concerned with what I'm eating? You know, like, it, I don't know. But I guess, too, when you're in that that position and you're really not thinking for yourself or you're told that your way of thinking is wrong and I guess that's where it really gets you for more on what Victoria is eating visit Oh Victoria where you can learn all about her keto lifestyle <laughs> actually I did start a keto um, <laughs> I'm helping you out girl that's my keto call I know it's so you know what's really funny though is like I I feel I I guess because we do this, I get so nervous with people following me that and trying to tell people things because I'm like, oh, what if I end up like trying to tell people what to do with their lives? And I'm like this weirdo, like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I just feel like it's things start off so innocent. Yeah, I know what you mean. And part of to, you know, back to India she's she's in this mindset that Keith is like this god Keith has started taking interest in her because he's attracted to her but she doesn't really know that at this point so Allison tells her you know after after going through the initiation taking naked pictures for collateral and everything that they did to these DOS women Allison tells her your next assignment is you need to seduce Keith so India said she knew in her mind, like, this is a weird assignment. But she said the reason she did it is, oh, Keith doesn't have sex anyway. So this is more about me than him. So that's how a lot of these women would go along with these, quote unquote, seduction techniques. But then, of course, as we know, there's been reports of Keith, you know, having sex with women, um, one woman reported being blindfolded and like tied to a table where like she's I think she was pretty sure it was Keith but I I don't remember how she knew that but somebody she said performed oral sex on her for like hours so like really weird things that is weird and one thing that goes along with your theory Victoria is India said at one point, while he was performing oral sex on her, she purposely, like, moved her leg to feel his penis, and she said he wasn't erect, so she thought it was even weirder, and it went along with her theory a little bit more, oh, he's not getting pleasure from this, this is more about me. Right, right. How bizarre. Yeah, so it does make me wonder, like, what happened to Keith that, like, he's doing all these acts, but at this point he's not even, like, aroused. Right. Interesting. hmm I really do think he's got some sort of deep trauma, and I look forward to hearing all about it in season two of The Vow, because did you see how it ended? Yeah. Yes. They call him. Like, just two months ago, 
It was September 2020. I was like, whoa, <laughs> we're talking to Keith now? And then it looked like, it looked like we're going to be talking to Nancy. Ooh. Did you see that? They were showing, like, in, like, the coming in season two, it looked like they were sitting down interviewing with Nancy because I just saw her legs and her voice. So I was like, hmm, I think it's Nancy. I think we're going to talk to Nancy, and I think Nancy's going to try to come out and say she was abused by him as well and, you know, whatnot. And so I'm, I'm just really curious, you know, what's going to, what, what the situation and status is going to be for Nancy, uh, Laura and Allison. Yeah. And watching the vow and watching some of these other shows, watching Nancy, especially, I really got the impression cause like she's, she's not an unattractive woman, but she's not, she's also not like a turn your head and watch her down the street woman. <laughs> So, like, it made me realize this woman who, at the time she probably met Keith, she was, what, in her, like, 40s? She was a psychiatrist. Yeah, Uh she probably loved the fact that she's getting this attention. She's, like, in charge of this organization. And, like, there was one time India was in a class, and they knew they were going to target her. So Nancy came in. And everybody, like, lost their shit. Like, Nancy never comes into this class. It's Nancy. Look, it's Nancy. (laughs) Maybe she'll sign my tits. (laughs) It's Nancy. (laughs) (laughs) She was a celebrity. (laughs) Yeah, like, I I can understand. Did you see her birthday? Uh Uh-uh. Did you watch her birthday scene on The Vow? It was Nancy's birthday, and everyone was wearing the weirdest shit. Oh, I don't know what the theme... What was the theme? I don't even know. What was the theme of that party? (laughs) Because there was a man with a giant penis hanging out. Remember that? Yeah. I know you two saw that. (laughs) And then there was, like, the boobs, like the the drag queen. Was she a drag queen or was it a girl in a costume? Because I couldn't quite tell. The plastic. Yes. I thought it was a man in a costume. (laughs) (laughs) But I liked how it lit up. I think it was a man dressed as a woman. Yeah. But, yeah, that was a very over, like, sexualized party. And that's yeah. definitely something like, hey, Sean and Victoria would be right at home at this party. Right. <laughs> right. But that's our kind of weird already. This isn't their kind of weird, you know? Yeah. I like that sex parties are our kind of weird, by the way. <laughs> that's normal for us. But it is not normal for the people of Nixium, okay? <laughs> Another thing that I found that this goes along with something we talked about before, too, is how much should celebrities and the media look into a group before they, you know, say anything good about them? Because when India and her mom, Catherine, first went to one of the meetings, they said Mm -hmm. that at the meeting they learned Rosario Dawson had taken classes, Gerard Butler had taken classes, Jennifer Aniston had taken classes. Oh, supposedly. No, I think they did. I think they saw one of them there. Oh, okay. Yeah, which I'm... But you know what? I'm sure because it's it's something that's like... I feel like... mm, I feel like there's two kinds of people that go to these types of retreats and groups because if you actually look up in Google, um, you know, 
retreats near me, you're going to find tons, you know, it's, there's so many self-help groups out there with offering retreat groups and whatnot. Um, it's not hard to find them. So I feel though that there are two types of people that go out looking for retreats or things like that. And that's kind of eclectic people with a lot of money or people that are very desperately looking to fix something within themselves. Mm, interesting. But very desperately. Mm-hmm. Does that, I mean, like, you've got some serious trauma you're trying to heal from kind of thing. And what's sad is that cults need both of these people. They don't need people like you and me. They don't want people like you and me. They want people that are vulnerable, and they want people with money and nothing better to do. So... You know, people like Catherine are a perfect, and her daughter, who who went to different gurus and self-help groups and have money to burn on things like this, you know, right. that's, that's the kind of people that you're going for. Yeah, and right away what they did is they knew Catherine was going to be a struggle because she was asking too many questions. We can't have right. that. So right away yeah. they started saying, India, Catherine doesn't want you here. She's not close to you. She's someone dangerous mm-hmm. to you. If you keep talking to her, she's going to stunt your growth as a person. Yeah. And that's, she was, um, what you call it, not a suppressor. He, there, has, there was another term. Remember they were going through all the terms? Yeah. There was a Luciferian or something. What right. was it? That was one of them. But it was for Lucifer. Yeah. But it was like a very bitter person and you're angry and that's just a Luciferian. You know, yeah, and Catherine was a Luciferian. <laughs> she was, and like I found a lot of these people, like including Sarah Edmondson, they were attracted to this group. Or I'm sorry, not Sarah. I think it was India or somebody else who came in later. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people came to the group because of the 2016 election. They directly said Trump is now president, yeah. and I felt lost. I felt out of control. I needed I a felt group obligated to, help me. Yeah. to do something too. Mm-hmm. And how much do we feel that now? Yeah. We need to, it's like we need to, and, and there's so much of it, I think, too, right now in a different way than it was even four years ago because it's now like, okay, we need to take on the media and we need to like make sure our media is authentic and what we're looking at is true. And, you know, we battle things differently than we did four years ago, but it is still a battle that's ongoing. So one thing I want to recommend to anybody listening, because, like, I felt very lost for a while, very confused, because I had learned, you know, the media is feeding us what we want to hear. Like, I didn't know it was true. I didn't know it was fake. So my outlet was just being able to talk about it on the podcast, which is why we did the Trump episode. So I encourage you, like, just look into stuff, um, find someone to talk to, even if it's just, you know, the weird podcasters that you listen to anybody like find that outlet leave us yeah comment leave us comments even on our instagram because we'll talk to y'all all day long mm-hmm. i will especially <laughs> politics i'll talk about politics with people all day long on instagram <laughs> um but yeah i mean it's it's so important that we have someone to do these and it's One thing I was actually going to say is that the really crazy thing about some of this stuff, especially these those episodes that we did do in regards to some of the political matters going on right now, 
But this stuff is so easy to find. It's one Google search and it's like looking through different articles and just spending the time sorting through this information and reading it. But the information is out there. It's up to us though to take the time, sort through the information and decipher our own facts because it's, I understand what people mean by we live in this false reality, you know, mm-hmm. um, we live in our own realities is what I think is more appropriate because I feel like some, like whether something's a fact or true or not, it doesn't matter because it's what other people accept to be fact or true. That is really what's, what's true. Does that make sense? Or what's accepted as true. So even if let's say, let's say the sky is green and you know, you see the sky is green, but I see it as blue. So, and Alan sees it as blue. So it doesn't matter that it's really green because the two out of three of us are seeing it as blue and we're telling you it's blue. So you better accept it as blue, right? Very true. So Anyway, I don't know if that was a good analogy or not. Or it was example. actually terrible. <laughs> Thank you. This guy's purple. <laughs> I tried to vomit. Um, and you mentioned earlier about how they caught Keith eventually. I love that. <laughs> Everyone's reaction. I love that he's so stupid that he <laughs> went to a Nexium facility in Mexico to hide out. Mm-hmm. And the way they eventually found him is he called like in uh, Nancy, Lauren and a few other of the top females. He told them that they need to come to Mexico <laughs> to perform oral sex on him as a group to show what? him yeah they he wanted them to show their their fealty to him by them all doing this to him together so one of them posted a picture of hey wait Nancy and Lauren yeah or oh. yeah i know it's painful Okay. And one of the women posted a picture. Hey, y'all, I'm in Mexico. (laughs) (laughs) No! And Catherine was like, we're going to Mexico. Go, get them. Get them, boys. (laughs) No. Oh, it's so gross. And that's how he was caught. Wait a minute, though. Wait a minute. I'm just trying to understand... Nancy and Lauren, or Laura. Is it Laura or Lauren? Lauren. Because I keep going, okay, I keep going back and forth. Lauren, um, I just, I, that's quite a mother-daughter relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know what else to say to that. <laughs> like, I, and one thing I learned, too, from India is a lot Well, I'll start here. Um, On our first podcast, I do want to clarify if anybody even remembers me saying this, but I said that the branding was Allison Mack's idea, which at the time we did that first recording. I was going to say at the time we thought to be true. Yeah, that's what was reported at the time, but we didn't have all these shows yet. So we did our own research. We found all (laughs) that shit on our own. But uh, (laughs) there's actually recordings where Keith is definitely 1,000% the one who masterminded DOS. And there's even a part where he's – this man recorded everything. He's such a Nixon. Like, he's so full of himself. 
It's yeah, that's I well that's what I was thinking too in terms of like this season two for the vow when they show that like advertisement for him doing the interview, it goes to show you just how how much he really believed his own shit. Yeah. Because he's still like he's proud. He sounded very confident over the phone. Like it doesn't bother him that he's in jail. He's probably manipulating the people within jail. He's probably having the time of his life there right now. Him and uh, what's the Tiger King? Joe Exotic. Joe Exotic. So Keith was recording everything, and there's this whole talk with him and Allison, and he's dictating to her that we need to get them branded, we need to have them naked, they need to ask for it, and the whole time, like, Allison seems very, like, she seemed weirded out, because she's like, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Like, she's not engaged in the conversation, you could tell. And um, that made me me realize just what's going on with Allison, that she's going along with this plan that she's not even invested in. And India kind of filled in that blank for me because she made me realize um, Keith was promising all this money to be paid to certain people, like money that they earned that he wouldn't pay them. And then he would say, like, you need to bring me India or else I'm not going to give you this money that I owe you. So he made a lot of these higher-up women, like, very dependent on him. Like, they don't have anything anymore, and the only way they're going to get money is if they keep on doing everything for him. But Nancy had money. Nancy did, yes. They found Which thousands of that, dollars in her house. Well, she was she's the Seagram's broad, right? No. No. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. The other two were. Yeah, the But Bronx she did race. something, too. What did she... She was a psychiatrist. She was successful. Well, and she was getting a bunch of money from Keith because they found over $100,000 in her house when they took her down. Wow. Yeah. How much money do you think he made in total? Oh, he had so much money. Mm-hmm. I don't even know. Do you think... That he did this because he genuinely believed in the idea or he wanted to make money. Because I was, I'm very conflicted on, like, it is very cult versus con, almost. But it's very cult for sure. You know what I mean? Like, it, but there's so many Ponzi scheme tactics in here, too. But, I mean, he did create both, right? I mean, I don't know. But I mean, mm-hmm. I was going to say, but I mean, with Nixium specifically, do you think it was meant to be more, when initially starting, do you think it was meant more for the cult aspect or like his envision of where it was going? Do you think he envisioned more of a cult or a pyramid scheme? I don't think he was really in it for the money because if he was, I feel like he wouldn't be living in like a simple house or like that whole, like the, the houses that they lived in were just kind of like regular old houses, you know? But I, I feel like the reason why he he felt he needed money was because there's all these, like, lawsuits ready to happen. And I felt that mm-hmm. he needed that money, or he probably felt he needed that money to pay for that. I think he was in it more so for, I guess, the pleasure. Yeah, I think it was sex and glory. Yeah. Like, he wanted his yeah. name on stuff, and he wanted to bang whoever he wanted yeah. to. Yeah. I think so, too. Yeah. But I think he was definitely drawn to a certain type of lifestyle. 
like, I think he always pictured himself being, like, um, business owner, executive, kind of, like, very successful. Mm-hmm. Like, even the name of his program, Executive Success Program. This doesn't sound anything at all like a self-help group. Right? Right, it yeah. doesn't. And he doesn't, ref- and he refers to his methods as technology. Mm-hmm. Like the whole time they call it the tech. And it's even, it's even patented, right? Like I, I saw that in the battle that they even had the technology patented at the, as artificial intelligence. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they were very much like trying to pull this off as a scientific thing. So just on October 27th, so just not even a month ago, all the sentencing came down on Keith and some of these members. Um, Keith got 120 years in prison. So basically life in prison. Life in prison. Right. And it took the jurors less than four hours to all just be like, yep, he's guilty. (laughs) (laughs) I'm surprised it took them that long. I know. (laughs) What were the, well, what were the charges exactly, too, that he was, I know human trafficking was one. Racketeering, um, sex with minors, exploitation, um, there were a few. And I think what's really hard here, and I've seen this um, echoed throughout other cases similar, is where do you draw the line for what is consent? Because these women willingly did let him do stuff to them, but under Mm -hmm. the circumstances, was it really free will or not? And that's what the question comes up as. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... And it just, it re- you really lose track of, like, what is free will at this point? Right, because mm-hmm. I have um, a singer that I used to really like who, very similar, he was running a sex cult, and he had written, like, signatures and consent and videos of the girl saying yes, but then it came up to, like, well, what circumstances were they in when they took those videos? Because a lot of girls later said they were drugged they were on alcohol Mm -hmm. like they were put in a circumstance where they didn't understand exactly what they were consenting to exactly Mm -hmm. so he got 120 allison how many years do you think she got i don't know i tried to i looked i went to go look that up myself and i was like you know i'm just gonna wait for you to tell me okay um (laughs) (laughs) well but i feel like she I don't know. I'm so conflicted on Allison, Lauren, and Nancy, to be honest, because I feel like they did some really terrible things, but we don't know to what extent they were being victimized either. Right. Allison, Nancy, and Lauren each got 40 years in prison. 40 years. 40 years. Oh. Which, and like, what are they doing now? What do you mean? Like, well, is are they serving their time yet? Well, it, it just came down on October 27th, so I, I believe they were taken into prison. I believe they're there right now. Okay, because I was going to say, wait, though, like, Allison McElwee. Oh, she's still waiting sentencing. 
Okay. Right? Oh, no, you said she got 40. Um, this is old. Yeah. <laughs> you said she got 40 years. Just I kidding. know. Um, <laughs> one of the Bronfmans, or maybe both of them, they also got, I believe, 40 years, but they also have to pay $6.5 in fines. $6.5 million? Yeah. That's interesting because Keith Raniere was sentenced to pay $1.75 million. Oh, wow. So not even nearly as much. Well, I could see that, though, like, a lot of times I feel like they put it on a scale for how much money they know you have to, like, fit the crime. Because mm-hmm. if you told me I have to pay a million dollars, that's going to take me, like, the rest of my life to, like, get to that. <laughs> but if right. you tell a Bronfman she has to pay a million, she's like, you <laughs> yeah. there it is. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Oh, that makes sense, though, too. So. Mm-hmm. So, do you think that we'll see interviews with Allison in the next season of The Bell? I'm thinking there's going to be a lot coming out from Allison, Lauren, and Nancy. Because I do... I'm not saying they're innocent, because they did definitely play their part. And I do believe that they deserve to spend time away also but I do partly feel bad for them because I know there was coercion like they were also manipulated by Keith like especially you know like I talked with Allison like her money depended on Keith and she did these things to get the money she was owed from Keith is that okay that she did it for that reason no but I think a lot of what Nexium did for these women is it took them and put them in an environment where their true selves kind of showed, you know, things that they knew mm-hmm. were wrong. They now had power to do. Yeah. Real quick, going back to Allison, though. Uh, I was just wondering, and I just looked up her age. So she's 38. How old was she, though, when she got involved with this? Um, so I think she... I think- she got involved in, like, 2009, didn't she? Right. So that's already 11 years ago. hmm So she was only 27 when she joined. I mean, I think about how impressionable I was at 27, and she's also been in acting since she was a kid. So we look at, like, people like Britney Spears, you know, and we're empathetic towards Britney because she didn't have people. Well, for all we know, Allison didn't have people either, and this is, these are the first people she finds. You know what I mean? Yeah. And same, Not that I'm trying, trying to be, like, super defensive over Allison Mack or anything. I'm just saying that it, it's very possible, you know, that she's a victim here as well. Well, it's true. And, like, same with India. She was 21 when she joined the group. And um, a psychiatrist said that our brain doesn't fully f- form its sense of self until you're 25. So before that, like, it's very impressionable. So, like, Allison Mack was 27, so she's just barely over that age. And, you know, India is younger than that age. So, yeah, I can definitely see where suddenly, like, you're love-bombed, you find this group of people. And especially, um, I know seeing, like, Mark and Sarah and them, like, in the vow, they seem like very, like, reasonable, cool people. But Mm -hmm. I saw this image of Mark in Seduce that kind of painted a little bit different of a picture for me because Mm -hmm. when Allison... No, I'm sorry. So many names. When... um, (laughs) Bonnie. India. 
India. India is wrong, Catherine. One of the ways that she tried to get India out of the cult is she's like, hey, come star, or not star, but come be in this movie with Pierce Brosnan. Mm -hmm. And that was her way of kind of being like, okay, let's take her out of it. Let's try to, like, talk to her. So she agreed to go be in this movie, and Nexium did not want her to leave because they knew, like, if you leave, you're away from the influence. So Mark literally sat with India and broke down in tears saying, like, you can't go, you need to stay. So he was very manipulative in his own way, which... Mm-hmm. You know, he may or may not have realized why he was being that way, but it just kind of, like... I kind of see now why some people don't like Sarah or Nippy or some of these faces mm-hmm. that have come out because they were very involved with it, and they did control people just as much as Keith right. did at times. And so that's what I'm saying. Like, where do we draw the line? Like, where do we as authority, like, how do the authority figures know, like, well, do we charge them? Because they did participate in this. So they were active in this as well. So Mm -hmm. it's like, how do you draw, where do you draw the line between victim and um, abuser in this particular scenario? I mean, it's it's interesting with cults because we we don't have those... um, those very clear definitions like we do with, like, say, domestic abuse situations. You know what I mean? With other more recognizable abuse. Yeah, and I think what it comes down to is knowing what you're doing. Like, with Sarah and Mark and everybody, they didn't knowingly bring people in to have sex with. You know what I mean? And even with Mm -hmm. India... She knew something was wrong. Like, she was told she needed to bring more people in under her, and they need to go do the quote-unquote seduction act with Keith. So in her mind, she knew, oh, they want me to bring people in and have sex with Keith. Mm -hmm. So knowing that was wrong, she um, kept putting it off. She kept being like, oh, I can't find anybody, or oh, they're not ready, or, you know, excuses. So I can see why someone like India, even though she was part of the organization and she did help it grow, I could see why, okay, she was a victim straight out. You know, she already got her punishment by (laughs) missing out on, like, 10 years of her life. Whereas Mm -hmm. you have someone like Allison, she was directly, like, pulling strings and, like, telling people to go sleep with Keith. Like, she could have left. She could have stopped. Right. I see what you're you're saying is, like, the... She... It's like she almost pushed a, a worse crime. But at the same time, though, who's to say that if Sarah was still in Nix- Nixium at the same point that Allison Mack was, who's to say that she wouldn't be at that level where she was getting women to join DOS? You know what I mean? Right. That makes sense. Because obviously, yeah. So, I mean, at this point, I feel like, you know, or to the point where we got to, like, 2019... You know, was Allison Mack being abused? But at the same time, the the branding has... I wonder, has, is she branded? Do we know? I think um, Allison is. is I think they said she is. I thought the branding was so stupid, too. Like, you're expecting women to get this brand on them. Are their husbands just never going to mm-hmm. see them naked again? Yeah, that's the thing. Well, that's why she was like, uh, Nippy was going to see it because Lauren got super mad um, that uh, at Sarah 
for telling Nippy. And she's like, well, he's going to see it. Like, hello, it's right next to my freaking vagina. And you think my husband's not going to see it? Right. Which is true. Like, what were you expecting? And was was it that Sarah was just the first married or first, like, that had someone else outside of Keith? Oh, that's true. He did encourage women to not be with their partner. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, because so, India talked about how she was with a guy. I can't remember his name right now. It's a very girly name. But <laughs> <laughs> when she got inducted into DOS, they suddenly were like, you shouldn't be with him. He's not good for you. And they, like, facilitated breaking her up with him. Yeah, and, like, they were texting him from her phone and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. And it's all, like, such crazy people tactics that you would never think of that ways that they come back after you, too. So that's the other thing is it's not just the fear and intimidation of being there, but it's the bigger fear of leaving and what's going to happen. Yeah, because Keith so. would go after people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, relentlessly, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know. I'm glad this year. one is behind us. I'm glad Keith is in prison. And a lot of what these women have been doing, um, they're working really hard to get legislature put in place to protect men and women against cult leaders like this. I guess in other countries, there's a lot of laws mm-hmm. already in place to help protect and the u.s is a little more lax on it so they formed a group and they are going to different schools they're going to legislature they spoke in front of a law school they were like you guys are the next generation like you can help us put this legislature in place and so i'm glad that they're they're doing something about it and i think that's what people need to remember is if you're feeling lost, if you have something bad that happened to you, like, find something you could do to to actively work against it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, take up hobbies, get into, you know, if you're, you're in a group, too, and, you know, you start thinking it may be something fishy or weird, you know, talk to the people that... You'd be surprised the the people that they're telling you are the ones that don't want to help you are likely the ones that want to help you most. Right. So. All right. Well, I'm glad. It's we... crazy though how much it happens. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we followed but up I, on these bad boys. Yeah, I was just gonna say though, real quick too. Last thing, I think that um, again, and I know I kind of mentioned it earlier, but I really do think that if anything really great came from the vow, it's to show people in general how easy it is to go to get into a group like this, and that it can happen to anyone. You know, you you don't realize. I mean, look at the group of people that we dealt with in Nixium. They're very smart, successful people. So it shows you that it can happen to literally anyone, you know? Yeah, one of the people in Seduce said that four of the people that he took through deprogramming were people with doctor's degrees. Yeah, I believe it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, well, where can the people find us? On the internet. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, that's a really bad joke 
<laughs> on onceuponacult.com. <laughs> not so easy, is it? It's not so easy, huh? <laughs> Patreon.com forward slash onceuponacult or on Magic Havoc on Etsy. Oh, okay. Well, thank you guys for joining us. What are we going to do next week? Next week we're talking about the Rainbow Family. Hey! I love it. I'm yeah, excited. party. I haven't been a WeHo in I... like a year. <laughs> no. That's not what we're not what we're talking about. Oh. Not that rainbow. It's it's Winona Ryder, y'all. I'd ride her. You would, but who wouldn't you ride? <laughs> well, I guess that's it for this week. But we'll see y'all soon. Trump. I wouldn't ride Trump. <laughs> wow. Oh, okay. Well. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>